Today, we're on uh, number three, uh, getting over it. Um, and today, I want to talk about getting over our guilt, getting over our shame. What do you do, and what should we do when we sin, when we make mistakes, when we know it's wrong, and we begin to feel guilty before God? What, what do we do with that? How can we get back on track with Jesus? We know that guilt is, is a heavy heavy load that people carry, and there's got to be freedom in our lives. We're going to get into uh, Psalm 32 in just a second, but Psalm 32, uh, written by David, it actually is all about dealing with the guilt and the shame uh, that we can, uh, we can get into our lives and how we can get over it. And so, uh, just to lay, lay the groundwork, so you know, many of you would know, and if you didn't, you'll know now, but King David had sinned. Back in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, you can read the story, but he had sinned by committing adultery with a woman, and he covered it up by murdering her husband and by deceiving everybody around him. And David was a man after God's own heart. He was, he was blessed. He he was a man who knew a lot of highs and a lot of lows in his life. He's such an interesting character. He was incredibly blessed and used by God to do amazing things. But yet, but yet here in the story in 2 Samuel, he finds himself carrying this huge burden of guilt because of some very bad choices that he had made, that he knew it was wrong but yet he went ahead and made those choices anyway. And do you know that by the time he was set free, by the time forgiveness came, by the time Nathan came and told him that story, do you know that it was nearly one year had passed? He carried this for one whole year. Imagine trying to keep a deep, dark secret like that for a year and how that would eat you up on the inside. And this is exactly what it was doing to David. And um, he wrote Psalm 32. In fact, he wrote several Psalms, several others, uh, 51, and there's some others that he wrote after confessing and after finding freedom and after coming clean. And in Psalm 51, he actually says, Lord, I, I vow that I'll share with others what I have learned through this process. He actually said those words, and I, I just want you to see it. Psalm 51, verse 7. He, he says this, this is after, again, he confessed. He says, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins, remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Now check this out. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. So David says, listen, I've gone through a hard time. I was wasting away. I was suffering. I was keeping all this inside. But now that I've confessed, now that I've found freedom, now that my joy is back, now that I, my connection to the Lord is back, he said, I, I, I vow that I'm going to share with others what I have learned. And so Psalm 32 is one of those psalms that David writes 
to give us insight in our own lives of, of steps we can take, things we can do to get over our guilt, to get over our shame. There's not one of us that doesn't live with regret, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, if we could only rewind time and I could take that word back. Oh, if I could only just not do that. Or why did I say that? Or why didn't I step up and say something? We all live with regret. And sometimes regret can go really deep and turn into guilt and really, really hamper our relationship with God. And I think there's not one of us in our lives that we, we've not done something, you know, or we have done something and we've, we've felt that sense of guilt about it. So um, I, I want to look at Psalm 32, and I just want to take it a chunk at a time and go through these verses with you. So Psalm 32, verses uh, 1 and 2, we'll start with that. He says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt and whose lives are lived in complete honesty. So get this, that there's, 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 there's harmful guilt, but you know, there's also helpful guilt, and we can experience both. We call it different things, but it's basically, it's basically guilt at its core. So like the harmful guilt, we, we tend to call condemnation. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't come from God. It's very clear that it doesn't come from God. We know Romans 8.1 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't come from God to the believer. We know that the, the word is clear that the devil is our enemy. He is our accuser. He is the one who tries to burden us with condemnation, with this harmful guilt. You know, thoughts like maybe you're out there today and you've had thoughts like, God will never forgive me. Or I, I've blown it so bad, I've gone down this road so far that I can't return from this. I, I, can't, I can't come back from this. I want you to know that that's never the Holy Spirit. Never. Somebody said amen. It's always, always the accuser. The Holy Spirit says there is hope for you. There is God waiting for you. Prodigal son or daughter, turn your face towards home and you'll find a God with his arms wide open who's been looking for you the whole time. This is not the way that God deals with us. Condemnation is harmful. Look at Revelation 12:10. Um, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It is come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. He is the one who loads us with condemnation and harmful guilt. And you know one of the side effects of harmful guilt? It actually causes us to run away from God. It causes us to put up this barrier because we we don't want to go to him, and it's this wall that, that it, it, it tends to, to form between us and God. So harmful guilt has this side effect of causing us to run away from him. Now helpful guilt, we call it conviction. Anyone ever felt conviction in their life? <laughs> oh, you're all lying right now, yeah. <laughs> helpful guilt or conviction, okay? Now it may not be pleasant, it may not be pleasant, but... 
it is ultimately beneficial to us. Come on, church, say amen, right? So like what, what we do or say, like, or, or sorry, when we do or say something that we know is wrong and our conscience starts to bother us, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a warning light on the dash of your car, you know? It's like something, there's something that needs your attention. Something's wrong. And if you don't deal with it or get it checked, you, you know, you're going to probably have bigger problems down the road. And our conscience just, it tweaks us like that. It's, it's like implanted in us. It's, it's God is saying something to us. You've done something. You've said something. You know it's wrong. And your conscience is bothering you and it's flashing like the light on the dash of your car. It, it's alerting you that something is wrong. Something needs your attention. Something needs to get fixed. So here's the thing. Condemnation causes us to run away from God, but conviction actually helps us run to God to make it right. He's, he, 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 he brings it to our attention. We go, mm, I don't like it, but deep down you know that it needs your attention and something needs to get fixed. Now David says, he says, we can be forgiven in verse one and two. Then he says, our sin can be put out of sight. And he, then he said, our record can be cleared of guilt. And they're kind of three unique phrases. The word forgiven that he uses here, it literally means to have a weight lifted off of you. It's, it's like when you feel guilty, you're carrying a heavy load. You're feeling it on the inside. You're feeling the pressure you're feeling the weight of it. And the enemy, again, uses it to steal your freedom, to steal your joy. But God wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to remove the heaviness from you. He wants to lift that load from you. Jesus says very clearly, my burden is light, not heavy. And the burden of our sin is rolled away. Uh, we could break off into a bunch of old hymns off that one, but the, the, the burden of our sin is rolled away in Jesus. So being forgiven, it's like being released from weight that you're feeling on the inside. It is freedom. It is glorious freedom. It is wondrous freedom. It is eternal freedom. And the more you understand, by the way, the more you understand your sin, the more you actually appreciate God's forgiveness. You know that's true? The more you understand who you are, where, where you stand before God, the more you, you deeply, deeply appreciate his forgiveness. So the other phrase that he says is your, your sin should be put out of sight. And it just caught me that David is trying to cover up his sin for nearly a year and it doesn't work. It's eating him up inside. And his own son later says these words in Proverbs chapter 28, Verse 13, if you put it up for me, it says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. David was trying to cover it up and it wasn't working. Covering it up was bringing heaviness. It will bring heaviness into our lives. But confession brings freedom. So understand that when God puts our sin out of sight, it really is gone. You can't do it. Only he can do it. And he's saying God can, when his forgiveness comes, 
He's forgiven. He's, he's taken the load off of me. He's actually taken my sin and, and cast it away. It, he's, he's cleared it out of my sight. It's gone. It's really gone. Look at these three verses that express this. Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Isaiah 44, 22, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. That's a powerful verse. And Micah chapter seven, no one reads Micah, but I do sometimes do, but here it is. You should read it every once in a while. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of his special people. You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. When God says, He's forgiven you, he's removed the heavy load from you, and he's removed it from his sight. It is cast into the ocean. It is gone. He never thinks of it again. It is removed. It's, 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 it's awesome. You can't do that. Only he can. But when he forgives you, he removes the load and actually does away with it. He puts it out of sight. He also says one other interesting thing. He says, he goes on in verse two and he says, so he's forgiven us. He's, he's put our sin out of sight. And then he says, he has cleared our record of guilt. I find that really interesting. Cleared our record of guilt. It's no longer on the books. Come on. He doesn't count it anymore. It's like our record has been expunged, you know, like it's never happened. You know, when even in our court system, there's times when, when someone who has been found guilty of a crime who then later has been found innocent of the crime, not only is he removed out of prison, but his record, right, come on, is expunged. It's like the deed didn't happen. He didn't do it. It never happened. It's gone. You can go to job interviews and it won't come up on, on searches. It's gone out of your history. It is totally expunged and removed. He's saying, this is what God does. He has cleared our record of guilt. It's no longer on the books. It is gone, 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 it is gone. Our record is clean and pure. It has been expunged. The blood of Christ has set us free and your record is now good. This is what he's done. How does he do it? Of course, only because of Jesus. Jesus pays the debt on the cross. The blood he shed has made our record clean. That's what he's done. So when he's, he's talking about getting over guilt, he says, understand these three concepts. He's forgiven you. The load, the heaviness is removed from you. He's removed it from his sight. He doesn't think about it anymore. It's gone. And your own record is now wiped clean. It's like he sees you, but the sin is not on your permanent record. It is wiped clean under the blood of the lamb who has died for the sin of mankind. It's an awesome, awesome thing that he's trying to communicate here. First John, read this. John gets it. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, Jesus didn't come into the world, John 3, 17. He says he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save it. That was his goal. So listen, he didn't come in, I say it this way, he didn't come to rub your sins in. He came to rub your sins out. That was pretty good, eh? You can all use that. Steve, you can use it. You have my permission, right? Just footnote it if you write a book and make a million. But listen, he didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. That's what he did. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world, to lift the load, to put it out of sight, to clear our record of guilt. When he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven from top to bottom in every which way possible. It is gone. It is forgiven. You are washed clean. It's a fantastic, fantastic concept that we can need to grasp deeply in our souls today. So, we have to know the source. Is it, is it helpful guilt? Is it, is it harmful guilt? Know the source. If it's condemnation rejected in Jesus' name, it's a, if it's conviction, then let, let, let your conscience guide you in that sense that God is telling you something is wrong and know the source. So uh, next, um, Psalm, I gotta keep going here. Psalm 32 Verse 3, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins. Finally, after a year, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. The other step that he says is, so he says, listen, I'm saying know the source. If it's bad, reject it. If it's good, accept it. But here's the other thing. We have to take some responsibility. Like, this is, this is uh, an issue, especially I feel like in our world today, it seems to be getting worse. Like, there's always somebody else to blame, always. Always. In fact, it started in the garden. Remember, we're experts at it. Even at the very beginning, Adam, Adam and Eve, you know, they sin. God shows up. First, they're embarrassed. They cover up. And then Adam says, it was her. It was her. She did it. She did it. And then she goes, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was a serpent. It was a serpent. Like, let's pass the buck all the way down. I don't know who the serpent didn't have anyone to blame. So he couldn't, he had to take it. But you know, like, we're experts at it. We are really good at, at being victims all the time. And sometimes we are victims. I'm not saying we're not. But sometimes we, we, we just need to take some personal responsibility. That, that thing you did, that word you said, I can't blame it on my mom or my dad or my, you know, my angry boss. Like, I did that. I did it. I have to own up to it. I have to take some responsibility. I have to make this right before God. It's my sin. And see, the pain of David's guilt was unbearable. He was suffering. The words that he talks here in Psalm 32 and 51 and the other sort of passage, the other Psalms that he wrote during this time, he talks about suffering physically with this. 
that the guilt was causing him physical agony and pain. He, he talks about emotional baggage and pain and weight. It was hurting him at all levels. It, it, was, it was unbearable. He felt the conviction, he says here in verse 3. He said, I felt the conviction. I felt the hand of God. I felt the discipline of God on me. You know sometimes a good father disciplines those he loves, right? Read Hebrews and it will make it clear. I can't sidetrack today, but, but it's, it's sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's not all like roses and puppy dogs. Sometimes God's hand on us is heavy until we make something right that needs to be made right. And he's not opposed to doing it to us. He is very much concerned about shaping us into the image of Christ. And so when you're feeling it, when, when he's on you like that, you've got to take some personal responsibility. David felt this conviction. He felt the discipline. He was exhausted. He was totally drained. He was joyless. He said, my strength was dried up like water on a hot day. He said, but finally, in verse 5, he says, finally, I confessed. Finally, I came to my senses. I, I stopped hiding my guilt. He came clean is what he did. And when he did, God gave him the forgiveness that we just talked about. He found the freedom and the joy of his salvation returned. And let me just say this. Here is where a lot of believers can get off track. That God has forgiven us, yes, but we sometimes struggle to forgive ourselves, right? All of us at times have done this. But I, I, I want you to just, I want you to, just hear, these, hear, hear this concept today. We can get obsessed with thinking about our mistakes, thinking about our failures, our regrets, and, and, and it becomes a weight and a heaviness on us. And I'll tell you what it does. It opens the door for the enemy to start pouring in negative guilt, condemnation, all kinds of negative things into your life. Remember a few weeks ago we said don't give talking about the scripture, don't give the enemy a foothold. This is what, when God forgives you and you don't forgive yourself, you, you've left the door open for him to pour in bad stuff into your life. And so I know that sometimes it's hard to understand, but I want to encourage you today. Remember that you are forgiven by the most high God. Remember that you're forgiven by the one who matters most. He's the one that matters the most. So don't resurrect what God has buried. He's buried it. And don't try to dig it up again. If the king of kings says you're forgiven, then you are forgiven, child of God. Accept it, believe it, rejoice in it, receive it into your spirit. Tell the devil to get lost, that his accusations are nothing but lies. Don't fall for it. You are forgiven. He has set you free. He is with you. He is for you. You know the truth, and the truth has set you free. Free. You are a child of the Most High God who says, I have removed the weight that was on you. I have put it out of sight and I have cleared your record of guilt. He has forgiven you from the top to the very bottom. 
And it's time that you move on in your own mind and your own heart over the issues that you've been struggling to forgive yourself over. It is only causing you more pain and more hurt. And you don't want to give any kind of an opening for the enemy. You are forgiven. Receive it today. Just say, I'm forgiven. Say it at home today. Say it again. I'm forgiven. Just receive it and accept it today. If there is conviction in your life, then deal with it. But you are forgiven. And he welcomes you with open arms. So here it is. Now we have to run to him. David goes on to say, Psalm 32, 6 to 9. It says, Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble, and you surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. I love that verse. Just because we're so stubborn, we're like stubborn mules, are we not sometimes? David now begins to give advice to others about what to do about their guilt and their shame. So real quick, verse 6, he says, pray. Pray about it. Pray about it while there's still time. Don't wait. Don't hang on to it. Deal with your guilt. Don't let it fester. Don't try to delay. Don't try to cover it up. Seek him now and get it right before you begin to drown in waves of judgment. Do it now. Get rid of it now. Pray while there's still time. In verse 7, he says, stay close to him. That if you, if, if, if you run to him in conviction, run to him, and he will be your strong tower. He will be your hiding place. He will be the one who will protect you and surround you. He will sing songs of victory over you. He will help you, bless you, move you forward, set you free, remove your baggage. He is the one. You've got to run to him. He's your safe house. When People are, are in trouble when they're running, you know, from criminals. And, I, you know, you've got to send them to a safe house. I'll tell you, the best safe house, his name is Jesus. This is the guy that we've got to run to in times of trouble. He is the safe house. He's the one that when pressure and trouble come our way, you've got to run to him, run to him, run to him, he says. So you pray while there's still time. He says, stay close to him. Let him be your, your hiding place in your strong tower. Verse 8 and 9, he says, it's time. He says, listen and obey him. Listen and obey. So he's giving you really clear, clear sort of instructions here. So what do you do when you're, when you're feeling this overwhelming guilt? How do you get over it? He says, listen, pray about it. Verse 6, verse 7, you've got to stay close to him. Let him be your hiding place. Let him help you deal with the guilt. Verse 8 and 9, he says, you've got to listen to him and you've got to obey him. He will guide you along the best path for your life. This is why God is so personal. People don't get this sometimes. God is so personal that the best path for my life is not the best path for your life. He'll guide you on the best path for your life for your giftings, for your calling, for what he wants you to do. 
We don't, we don't imitate me. I don't imitate you. We imitate Christ. And when we listen to him and obey, he guides us along the best path for our life. So he says, listen, don't be a stubborn mule. Don't be a stubborn mule. That's really flattering, isn't it? Don't be a stubborn mule who wants to go their own way and who God has to put a bit in your mouth to try to keep you under control. Don't. Just listen and obey. And he'll guide you into the best path for your life. Father knows best. So listen, listen, listen. Do what he says. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and you'll find yourself walking along the path that is best for you. Lastly, trust him, verse 10 and 11. And here's the end of the psalm. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. See, Love surrounds those who trust the Lord. We are called to keep the faith even during the challenges of life. And we've talked about that's a choice that we make, that we, that we choose to follow, that we choose to obey. He's very clear in this psalm that a foolish person will try to hide, but the pers- hide our sin and hide our issues. But the person who trusts the Lord, you see, you understand? This is why he's saying you've got to trust him. Because if you trust him, if you love him and you know that he loves you, you can trust him with your mistakes, right? You can trust him with the times that you've just really blown it. A foolish person will try to hide and and get eaten up on the inside. But the person who trusts the Lord knows that they can go to him because they will experience his mercy and his unfailing love when they come honestly before him with their sin. He will not turn us away. He welcomes it and and honors your your honesty in coming to bring it to him. Will there be some discipline? Possibly. Will there be a hard road or some changes or some difficult days? Maybe. But he will get you back on track. He will love you the whole way and he will guide you onto the best path for you. Understand that the father always welcomes the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter home. Always. If you're watching today and you feel like you're the prodigal son or you're the prodigal daughter, understand, read that, read that story again in the Bible and you'll see how remarkable the father really is. Sometimes the son gets all the attention, but the father is so beautiful in that story. That every day his son takes his money, does stupid things, runs away, lives a foul life, and comes finally to his senses and turns his face towards home. And it says, while he was still a long way off, what happened? The father saw him. Why? Because the father was always looking for him. He never stopped looking for him. And when he saw his son a long way off, he ran to him. He wrapped his arms around him. He put a robe on him. He throws a feast for him and he says, let's celebrate for my son has come home. This is the picture. All of us are prodigal sons and daughters. All of us, 
All of us have made mistakes. All of us have turned away. But understand that the picture in that story of of Jesus and, and the Father is so powerful that he welcomes us with open arms even after all the mistakes we've made. And we can, why? Is you can trust him. That's what David is saying. You can trust him. You can trust his heart. If he did that to the prodigal son in this story, then he will do it for me and he will do it for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how far down in a hole you feel you've dug yourself. There is a way out and his name is Jesus. He's the one that drops the ladder in your hole and calls you to climb out. He's the one that sets you free. He's the one that welcomes you with open arms. He's the one that will deal with your sin. He won't just disregard it. He'll deal with your sin, but he'll love you and heal you, deliver you and set you free all the way along. This is what he does. And then David finishes in verse 11 and he says, listen, there is reason to rejoice here. He says, I was so guilty. I was so feeling so condemned. I was being eaten up on the inside. But when I came to him, my joy returned, my salvation returned. My heart was filled with his goodness again. Verse 11 says there is reason to rejoice. There is reason to be glad. He said there is reason to shout for joy that he has forgiven. He has forgotten. He has made us righteous that we are children of the Most High, and he surrounds our lives with songs of victory. Our guilt was real, yes, but our forgiveness was really real. And now he says, when you've experienced uh, this, this freedom, this setting, the setting free of your sin and your guilt, now your praise should be real. Yes, your guilt was real, but your forgiveness was real, and now your joy should be real. The more you understand about your sin, the more thankful you are for his forgiveness. Our guilt was real, but he has set us free. Man, does that not give us reason to celebrate and shout for joy? When this morning we're singing songs and we're saying, Lord, the battle belongs to you. You're good and great. I am a child of God. I am who you say I am, not who the devil says I am. This is who we are in Christ. Our guilt was real, but our forgiveness was real, and now our praise should be real. He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise for all that he's done, for all that he's going to do, for all that he's done in you, for all that he's going to lead you into, for the home that he's preparing for you, for the hope that he has for you, for the joy that awaits the child of God. There is much rejoicing ahead for people who love Jesus. One day, one great and glorious day, any joy we feel here will be dwarfed by the joy we will know and feel in his presence. One day, there are better days ahead, my friends. He is with us now and he will be with us to the end. Jesus, 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 the sweetest name I know. He is worthy of praise. Come on, he is worthy of praise. Acts 3, and with this I had to wrap up. Uh, ben, come on back. Um, Acts 3, 19 and 20. I just love this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. 
And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. When you turn, there are times of refreshment ahead for us in the presence of the Lord. Get over your guilt. Get over your shame. Get over your regret. He is the one who has forgiven you and set you free. And he whom the Son sets free, come on, is free indeed. Hallelujah. You've been listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.